Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Five o'clock hours here, Demond, Cofield, Finley, Toyota Studios. Barry Odom Radio Show is coming up in an hour. Six o'clock start, $2 on the Miller Lights during the show. Good crowds have been showing up, so get there a little bit early and also take advantage this hour of the three to six happy hour. So Caleb's uh, jack of all trades. He's got a real job, like a real, real job. Uh, he also co-hosts the Barry Odom Radio Show. He's the analyst on the uh, football games. He does multiple podcasts. We recorded a podcast last night, Caleb, and it's out on our platforms at Steve Cofield, at Caleb Herring underscore, at UNLV All Access. It's out. And you know what's funny? When I got done with it, I was like, damn, the Rebels are three and one. And we were like hardcore breaking down all the fixes. Um, and that includes you. I don't think I'm like bringing you down or sucking you into being critical. What, what is your attitude on a three and one start and not getting too excited about it for UNLV? It's, it- it's a mixed bag. I think obviously it's exciting to be three and one, and I think it's you know to this point to have a winning season so far. Getting off to a fast start obviously is important towards achieving you know the end game or the the final goals. Uh, but there is the grain of salt, and the unique thing about the situation for the season right now with the Rebels is the grain of salt is built in. I think with the fact that there's so much to correct and so much to still be critical about. Uh, you, you actually can flip that into a positive. It's like we, you haven't put your best out, and we have yet to see the best version of UNLV football this year. Uh, but that being said, you're still 3-1, and one, and it, it doesn't feel unexpected by any means to be 3-1. and one. Uh, There's some things, there's some touch-and-go moments, there's some adversity that was overcome during this stretch uh, of non-conference play. But uh, to sit here and say that, and this is with all honesty, that, uh, you can call it a critical eye or, or what, what have you, but it's just the honest truth. The Rebels haven't played a complete football game yet. Uh, they've had moments of, of, of shining in all three phases of, of football, but I don't think for a total 60-minute effort they played their best football. And the critical side of that it might sound like a Debbie Downer. It might sound like you're, like you're being too critical or overly critical, but the truth is that's kind of the standard of good programs. And, that feeling uh, gives me the sense that there may be a corner that actually has been turned. And you can't describe why, you can't describe what clicked with this group, but the fact that they feel that internally and we feel that watching, uh, I think is a sign of good things, at least for the rest of the season, uh, as far as the trajectory and what can improve from 3-1. and one. Well, and in a lot of ways, when we're doing the podcast, and not saying we're, we're doing this because we have to, but we're kind of following the lead of the staff and Barry Odom because uh, Odom made sure to mention after the win when we were in front of him uh, in El Paso, uh, he made sure to mention some of the fixes. He absolutely, uh, after like 45 seconds of saying, hey, three and one start, this is good, positive, freshman of the, or, uh, freshman of the week with Jet Thomas, the running back, he went right into like two and a half minutes of here's the fix specifically, and he went through all of the things that need to be worked on. So. Uh, I'm going to say something stupid. Like he's a coach's coach. All coaches want to fix things, uh, but I, I do think I do think there are coaches who do get maybe a little fat and happy in winning times, and that is then projected to the team. And teams can lose focus when they think things are better than they really are. I I call it, and I'll, I'll refer to it as showing your work. Uh, I hated it in grade school. I hated it through all school, really. When like you take a test 
and the teacher would be like, yeah, it's multiple choice, but show your work for full credit. Uh, and I hated that at math. It was like, I know the answer, though. I got the answer. It was right, and, and move on. Why can't I just do that? Well, you flip that to football, and coaches that demand the standard, and the standard is the work. They demand the work to be right and correct, uh, regardless of if you got to the correct answer, which in this case would be the win. I think Coach Odom is a coach of that mentality, where it's like, yeah, we got the win, but we didn't play winning football. We didn't do the work the right way. We missed steps here and there. We didn't carry the one. Uh, we didn't play penalty free. We turned the ball. Over. All those things I think may sound nitpicking and self-critical, but honestly, it's what establishes winning habits. Sometimes winning while making mistakes can actually cement bad habits. And you can't let the idea on your football team fester that it's okay to play like that because we still got the win because it's not okay to play like that every week and it won't last week in and week out for a 12 game season. So there's things that you have to do that are closer barometer, a closer measure of getting to the end of that process and then being a winner. If you do that repeatedly, you win more often. So I think coach Odom is, is one of those teachers or coaches that is, is all about showing the work and, and putting the work out there. Uh, and if you play to that standard, then the wins come. And, and those wins, I think, feel a little bit better from a coaching standpoint. Caleb, I am one of those people as well that didn't want to show my work when it came to doing schoolwork. But when it comes to being a fan, I am the irrational fan that, hey, UNLV is 3-1. and one, The sky is the limit. And earlier on earlier this week on Monday, JVT was mentioning how he didn't like the quarterback play. And for me, I'm like, what are you talking about, Mayava? He had a good game. The team got the win. What are some of the things that, I'm not saying nitpick, that, but if you were being super critical that you could point out that maybe he could improve on? The first thing that I would say, and this came true in the Vanderbilt game, was the operation. And that, that's from taking a snap to a clean mesh point, uh, clean cadence, and things like that. I'm not going to say that's totally on the quarterback for the offside penalties, um, but the quarterback has to take some blame in that. And there has been a spike in those kind of procedural penalties from the Rebel offense. And at the end of the day, any quarterback would say that falls on their shoulders. And so that could be cleaned up. Um, putting the ball in the end zone, I think, is one thing that you could say, and I know that sounds simple and silly to say. Uh, quarterbacks obviously want to throw touchdowns, but I think the passing game – uh, to this point, hasn't done it as much as they, I think, expected to. Uh, and that's part of playing complimentary football sometimes, understanding that. The, the run game rushed for 300 yards last week. Anybody who says throw the ball more in a game where their ground game had it going like that is just out of their mind. Um, but I would say remain the steady hand. And I, I, this would be my coaching advice to a quarterback in, in Jaden's situation would be what's working is working. That don't be in the way of what's working. And that's, uh, that's advice for every quarterback, really. But uh, if the team has something working, and in this case a ground game or just efficiency in the passing game, uh, you don't have to be special. Let the team do that for you. Just remain steady and be the steady hand that guides the offense where it needs to go. So what's been the key for the running game? You mentioned that complimentary football. What do you think has been the key for the running game to be so successful? There's a lot, and that's the beauty of it. It's not just one thing. It's not just one running back. It's not just you know the, the right side of the offensive line. It's, it's, it's a multitude of things, and variety, I think, is one of the, the, the keys of this new offense under uh, offensive coordinator Renner Marion, who, who really brought a system in that was designed to not have a guy, a go-to guy, and that's something that he said all throughout fall camp and even during the season, that 
this offense is designed to have multiple guys who are a threat to go the distance. And uh, that's multiple running backs. That's four or five guys a game have touched the ball from the backfield. They spread out the reps there, um, I think, beautifully. Uh, and it paid dividends, especially down the stretch last week when they had a fresh set of legs, a fresh stable of running backs come in with, with uh, Donovan Lester and Courtney Reese finishing the game in the fourth quarter. They, they were moving at a different speed than the rest of the team. Uh, than the defense especially. So um, those things are huge. But I think just the variety of play calling, the, 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 the misdirection element to the backfield that they have asserted with this new offense, there's so much going right. And I think it, all, it, it also comes down to the attitude. I think the offensive line have taken on the identity of their coaching staff and they understand the importance uh, with some veteran leaders up there of establishing the run game and controlling the trenches. And they've taken pride in it. And, and it's working. It's clicking right now. And like I said earlier, complimentary football, the pass game has been effective enough to take advantage of the play-action situations and, and keep a defense honest. So it's really all about complimentary football at this point. The former Rebel, Caleb Herring. I'm with Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. Barry Odom Radio Show is on the way. Caleb is co-hosting that with the coach. 6 o'clock start, Parkway Tavern, 215 and Flamingo. Happy hour, Monday to Friday from 3 to 6, so you still got time to get in the happy hour the rest of this hour. 50% off apps and pizza and two bucks off the beer, the wine, the cocktails. That's Parkway Tavern 215 and Flamingo. Good test this week because you know Hawaii is going to come in here and fight their rear ends off. They did last year, and they were able to pull the upset on the Rebels. The uh, The big pineapple is up for grabs. And, you know, one of the things on defense that the, I think the staff recognizes and the players recognize is they have got to shut down the opposing passing game on 15, 20, 25, and beyond completions. And the test that Braden Shager brings is pretty interesting because he will make mistakes, but he he just forgets immediately. He will freaking throw the ball deep, and I expect Timmy Chang to take a lot of deep shots in this game. It's one of the weaknesses, I think, or one of the flaws that need correcting uh, for the Rebels defensively is that the amount of chunk plays that they've given up uh, at this point I think is – below standard and that's that's their own standard it's not me judging they, they would attest to that as well um so i i agree timmy chang and the, the run and shoot style of offense in hawaii that's making its way back and and coming back into you know what we think of when we think about hawaii football with with that aggressive mindset um they're they're definitely going after it and they want to get it get the ball out to their playmakers on the edges on deep shots and it's one of the reasons why they, they're able to stay in games and remain competitive. And They play Vanderbilt, which is a common opponent, uh, earlier this season. And Vanderbilt jumped out to a, a, a pretty good start. But Hawaii just kept taking their shots deep, and they hung around because, you know, a couple plays is all it really takes for them to, to get on the scoreboard. And uh, they did that last year in Hawaii. Um, and to the, <laughs> to the chagrin of Rebel fans, it was like, what are we watching here? They just kept making big play after big play and, and stayed in that game and eventually won it. The, the island showdown, the ninth island showdown, is 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 really a unique a unique game. It's been a rivalry long before it was officially uh, played for a trophy. But uh, the emotions, I think, of that element of their team, the big play capability, and the way that the crowd erupts and reacts to them, even here at Allegiant Stadium, I'm sure they have a, a big turnout. That's why this Vegas is called the ninth island. But uh, the fact that they play off of those emotions. In a rivalry game, I think they thrive in those situations. They rely on the big play a lot. So it's going to be uh, vital for the Rebel defense to, to limit those and to limit their opportunities at those big plays and, and make some big plays of their own, which they've done a good job at so far this season, creating turnovers and chaos. But 
uh, getting a lid on those big plays is, is primary concern this week for the Rebels going into uh, the game against Hawaii. And we've seen some cases in the past, and I mentioned last year where, frankly, it just looked like Hawaii had more focus, uh, you know, especially in the moments of the game when it, it counted most. And that's that's one of the keys. You know what I think will benefit the Rebels in this case is that um, there we've talked about the roster turnover, um, and there's a lot of guys, yes, in the program that were part of the game last year and that had been a part of this rivalry. Um, for the time at UNLV, but there's also a lot of guys who really don't have that connection yet. They haven't played in that atmosphere yet. Um, so maybe keeping their focus on that nameless, faceless opponent uh, mantra is going to be a little easier for them because, you know, they're not yet involved as heavily as some of the other guys. So maybe that distraction element, maybe the focus uh, will be a little bit easier to come across. Uh, that being said, though, you have to rise to the occasion. You can't come in flat because they're definitely not going to be flat. You can't come in shocked by the level of passion and emotion that the other team is playing with because uh, you got to match it to some degree. Yes, don't lose control, um, but I think this week is a, a really good test for this group. Uh, not necessarily young in age, but young as far as playing together. It's a good test to see where they are as far as limiting distractions and, and being able to handle a rivalry-type environment. The first time that Coach Odom and his staff have been a part of this, uh, the first time that a lot of players have been a part of this, how do you, you react? How do you take those emotional shots, the ups and downs yep. of of a rivalry game? Because they're going to come. It's going to happen. You can't just expect to walk in there and, and go easy breezy like nothing's going on. So the emotions and the distractions are definitely something to limit. And Hawaii won't stop. Trust us. Last year they didn't stop. You go back to uh, we were at this game, calling the game back in 2019. Down there, you remember uh, – Lex Thomas had a really big first half. UNLV was just rolling. Hawaii could do nothing. Um, UNLV was up with two minutes left in the first half, 21-3. And then the second half, this kid, Shevin Cordero, comes in, who's turned out to be pretty good now that he's at San Jose State. And all of a sudden in the second half, Rebels couldn't run the ball, couldn't get a first down, and then it was deep shot, deep shot. JoJo Ward, 64-yard touchdown. Uh, another 20-yard touchdown all down the stretch. Uh, John Ursua, 68-yard touchdown. And the Rebels had one final drive, and still could not run the ball. So, trust me, Hawaii does not freaking quit. They're going to be fired up for this game. Let's uh, make a quick transition to an NFL point I think you may, were making. Maybe it was college. You, This is blasphemous. You said that touchdowns scored by quarterbacks shouldn't count as rushing touchdowns. What are you talking about? I, I have several philosophies that I know are unpopular opinions, and one of them is the, the quarterback sneak. Uh, or the tush push, I, I hate it, uh, the name, I, I hate. Uh, I think it's a fine legal play to, to have, but I just think there should be more creative ways to, to credit those things in the stat sheet. It's all about the offensive line. It's all about those guys. Oh, wow. You want a team touchdown? I, absolutely. Why not? At this <laughs> point, why not? There's, there's, there's things that I've, we've evolved in the way that we can measure analytics. Or we're giving guys PFF ratings, and – the amount of effort and, and minute detail that goes into those scores, you're telling me you can't just say easily, if, they, if you run a quarterback sneak, I'm going to credit the offensive line with a rush yard and a rush touchdown. Everybody that was in on that push gets credit for it. I just don't think the quarterback should be the only one that gets in their stat sheet. There's other things I, I don't agree with with the way we track stats now, and I, I, I think I pointed some of them out. One of them is, is the, the yards after catch that all get credited to the quarterback for his passing stats. I think there should be some sort of cap, whether it's hmm. you know ten yards after the catch, that's it, that's all the quarterback gets, or uh, it, it, as soon as a, a receiver 
makes contact with the defender, that's it. That's the end of the passing yards, and it's now yards after catch. That's its own stat. Guys like uh, Debo Samuel, he, he would have a phenomenal rating if you just took his stats and measured him for his individual side of it. Like the yards after catch is something he does. So I, I think quarterbacks get a lot of credit that is, in my estimation, undeserved credit for, for the team effort around them. And now we wonder why quarterbacks get these mega contracts. Well, it's because we've tailored the stats to favor their success. And Damn. they're not the only ones, but that's, that's just how I feel. And this is a quarterback talking. I'm, I understand full well that I'm talking to myself. And I made, you know, my, butter, my bread was buttered on those stats. I get it. But the reality is I think we need to devalue the quarterback position in this ultimate team sport because it takes so much more than, you know, a quarterback diving over the pile. I mean, back to your point about the rushing touchdowns not counting for quarterbacks, uh, you're jealous. When you played, you were more of like a Phil Rivers type. You were a statue. <laughs> Even though, as you told me, maybe on air but definitely off air, that uh, people would look at you and they'd be like, hey, he's a running quarterback. He was not a running quarterback. You were not. Um, we, uh, that's, that's a bad way to end the spot because we got to go. Um, I'll see you over at Parkway Tavern in just a little bit, Barry Odom Radio Show. Caleb, thank you. All right, guys. See you there. On the way back, we're going to talk uh, some – Really, a lot going on right now the last couple weeks in terms of events and stuff to look forward to around Las Vegas. The King of Vegas, King of L.A., King of Hawaii, uh, media-wise, Arash Markazi from the Sporting Tribune is on the way. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Five o'clock hours here as we head towards the Barry Odom radio show just up the road at 215 and Flamingo Parkway Tavern uh, down on the strip as he's uh, doing his work around the Canelo fight hours ago. Uh, Canelo had his press <laughs> conference, so we'll get into that with Arash Markazi. Arash, you're laughing. You have a good time today? I did. It's always fun. Uh, this is a uh, heck of a time period for uh, boxing. So this is another big fight, Canelo. Uh, Charlo, you know, we were expecting it to happen during Mexican Independence uh, Day weekend, uh, but this is just as good. We get Canelo in September once again. So we're going to set up the uh, the Canelo talk and how big this fight is for Vegas uh, for a couple of minutes from now because there's so much stuff going on uh, before that and well before that. So let's recap the last couple of weeks. And Arash is with us, of course. Arash has the Sporting Tribune. He writes for the Messenger. Uh, and we cover Hawaii and L.A. and the Vegas scene because he's everywhere. He's the king of all of those markets when it comes to uh, <laughs> radio and podcasting. All right, I'm so glad that you saw the video of, you know, last weekend was a big music weekend. Kelly Clarkson, yeah. our favorite Kelly Clarkson, on the street, <laughs> on the street. Um, she encountered a street entertainer performer, grabbed the mic, start singing, and I don't think the lady got it, like who she was. For about 30 seconds. That was a really cool and kind of unique Vegasy moment. I loved it. It was so genuine and so heartfelt. And when, like, the woman realized uh, who was singing, it was Kelly Clarkson. I mean, her reaction was so genuine and so candid. I, I love it. Um, I'm still hoping with all the construction going on on the Las Vegas Strip, we still get these moments. I just uh, drove down the Strip. You know, I really tried to, like a lot of locals, avoid the Strip. But um, in coming... Down to the MGM Grand uh, today, I uh, just saw all the construction and everything. And it was, it, listen, 
I get the significance of F1. I really do. But, um, you know, I do think I've flipped a little bit. You know, my, my big thing is, like, look at the popularity of F1. Look at how big of an event it is. Yada, yada, yada. And it's not just a one-off. It's a 10-year contract. I, I, I got to be honest. Like, wow. as I'm looking to my left and right at the Bellagio Fountains or what's, like, constructed in front of it and Caesars, and it's just um, I have flipped. I am not a fan. Wow. Look at this. Arash just uh, settled with a second residence here in Vegas <laughs> less than a year ago. He's become a true local. Look at you complaining about all the construction. But it is a hassle if you have to go down there. But I think it's going to pay off, like you said. A 10-year deal. It's going to bring zillions of dollars in over the next 10 years. And eh, we kind of got our roads done for free, I think, uh, in, in, yeah. the end. in the end. Well, we didn't because F1's going to turn around and go, <laughs> hey, we paid $80 million to get this done really quickly. We want 40 from you. But uh, – have you ever seen? Uh, have you actually seen Kelly Clarkson in person? Be a man. Be honest. I, I'm trying to think. I think I saw her um, at a Super Bowl. So I've not gone to a Kelly Clarkson concert. I think I've seen her perform because she did perform uh, not halftime, but I think it may have been pregame or something at a Super Bowl. Um, I actually did see her in concert probably about 15 years ago. Now, if I actually went to Allegiant Stadium and I sat in the black hole and I told people that I went to a Kelly Clarkson concert and asked how many others did, I would get my ass kicked. Um, now, you were at the Black Hole for this last game against Pittsburgh. I want you to comment on the overall crowd, but what are you seeing in you know the Raiders' legendary section now that it's moved to Las Vegas? Well, because you just mentioned, I, I think that would have been back in Oakland. You, right. you would have gotten your butt kicked if you said something like that or if you wore the opposing team's jersey. Sure. You know, what the Raiders have effectively done – and I think this is still a year-to-year, week-to-week thing, depending on how the team is doing, depending on who they're playing, depending on how much tickets are uh, costing. Um, it has turned into an, a, a haven for the opposing team. It is the ultimate tourist destination for the National Football League. And really, I, I think we all kind of knew this going into the season because two things were going to happen. The team was probably going to struggle. And the, when you looked at the schedule, Steelers, yep. Packers, uh, Patriots, Giants, Jets. You were going to get a ton of opposing team fans here. That's certainly been the case through uh, one regular season game. It'll certainly be the case for that October 9th game against the Packers. And the fact of the matter is, Stevie, I, mean, I talked to a lot of fans who would love to go to games. So it's not that they don't have fans here. They don't have fans here who can afford to pay $500 just to walk in the door. Uh, that's the problem. They've really priced out, A, the local fan, and B, the hardcore fan. Well, then their alternative is to uh, hang around the Haas. And, there you and, go. And, and by the way, we should mention the Messenger is where that story is at, and I know you got a lot of compliments and a lot of fan feedback on your black hole story and you know the makeup of the crowd, which seemed to be, it seemed to me like 70% Steelers fans. Watching on TV, there was just a buzz the whole time for the Steelers. But uh, we mentioned the Haas. That's Hacienda the Bridge. So now a lot of the fans, hey, local fans, if you want the experience, you have to hang out at Mandalay Bay or Luxor, which in the end is actually really good for Mandalay Bay. And keep in mind, yes. after uh, 1 October, the shooting, that place was a freaking really quiet place, um, and they they needed those crowds. The, the bounce back for Mandalay has been gigantic. It's been huge. And so, like you said, you know, whether you're a local or whether you're a tourist, um, that's the place to be, the Luxor or the Mandalay Bay. It's not seen the majority of people are at the Mandalay Bay, you know. So in a lot of the places there, they got that new flanker 
sports bar. Um, you know, they, 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 they generally kind of try to do a good job of having, you know, uh, food and drink specials and things like that. In, 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 so the difference in Los Angeles and Vegas is this, is that connection to the Las Vegas Strip, where they really made it so convenient to, um, you know, to check into your hotel um, and, and go there and, and really just have a great time where you're on the casino floor, you're not in the sweltering heat, you're not trying to find a tailgate. Your tailgate is effectively the casino floor. You walk out, you walk across the street, uh, you walk across the way, to the hospital. And by the way, 15 minutes, I timed it. And I'm not that fast. You know, that, that walk <laughs> took me 15 minutes door to door. So it wasn't too bad. Arash, I've got to ask you, with the primary residence for the Marcazi Mansion being in the L.A. area and the Chargers and and the Rams had that couple-year head start. Have you seen them develop a fan base? Because here in Vegas, we, we keep saying, hey, in about 10, 15 years, that's where you'll see that local fan base really grow. Are you seeing the effects of that in L.A.? You know, not yet. And I'm surprised with the Rams that that wasn't fast-tracked. Because the one thing that I said about the Rams is that if you win here, people will show up, people will hop on the bandwagon. What I didn't really take into account enough or appreciate enough was that people have pro football teams, you know? I mean, like, like, like you weren't going to get a 20, 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old fan who had been cheering for another team for their entire life to now switch gears. And so, um, I mean, it, it's really, you're going to have to develop that from scratch. And I did think, uh, and I was wrong on this, that they, they were going to be able to flip some of the younger fans the fact of the matter is that if you grew up in, like, even if you're a teenager and you've grown up as a Bears fan or a Packers fan or a Steelers fan, like, that's your team. And so it's going to take a while for the Rams. I did think, guys, that, you know, them going to two Super Bowls, winning not only one Super Bowl, but winning that Super Bowl in Los Angeles would help them. It's, it's, it's helped, but it's certainly not where it should be. I mean, you go to some of those games, you know, when they played San Francisco, when the Rams played San Francisco that first game of the year, it was a sea of red. You would have never thought that two years ago this team won a Super Bowl. What a week, or however long he's been here, for five days, for Lil Wayne. Yeah. A lot going on, it's man. His, he performed at the Al. It's his and then, birthday. And, and, yeah, and his birthday, and then he's hanging out courtside. Tough tickets again with the Aces. Kind of cool. Listen, I love it when uh, people come here, whether it's Mark Wahlberg, whether it's Lil Wayne, where they come here and they and they stay here. Because, you know, uh, Steve, as you know, you know, one of like the like the old jokes about Vegas is, oh, I can only go there for like one night or uh, two days. And, you know, the fact of the matter is it's a great place uh, to, to come, to live, to hang out, to stay for a few days. And certainly in a situation where, like, like this, where you go, you know, Sunday game since they won the Cup, Tonight against the Kings, Canelo Charlo. I mean, I mean, it, it is really the center of the sports world. How was the uh, crowd last night at the MUA, uh, Mick Ultra Arena? It was good. I was a little surprised, and I don't want to knock them, but there, I was a little surprised at some of the cheaper seats that I know you could have found for like six or several bucks on StubHub, 12 bucks at the door. Those were not full. And mm -hmm. so, listen, I mean, it's a Tuesday night. Things happen, but... It, it was an amazing crowd. By the time that they had clinched the win, one went away from the, the WNBA Finals. That place was going crazy. Uh, but was surprised at the number of uh, the cheaper seats that were not full. 
Arash is with us. Arash Markazi writes for The Messenger. He's got his Sporting Tribune. Uh, one of the writers on the Sporting Tribune is a uh, Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer, Steve Carp. He writes for you guys. Uh, let me link together the empty seats last night with uh, this one. Maybe it was in protest to the WNBA MVP not being given to <laughs> Asia Wilson. Uh, we're sending a message by not showing up. Um, what did you think of... Asia Wilson being this upset, and am I a D if I say, you know what, stop punching down, you're coming off as a bit petulant? Here's the thing. I think when you've had a season like she's had and you've had a season like the Las Vegas Aces have had, you kind of look for that chip on your shoulder. Now, they don't necessarily need that against New York because New York has beaten them uh, twice this season. Um, however, I love it. You know, I mean, they, like the – the, the most slam dunk bet that I've made in, in Las Vegas, I think the over-under last night for Wilson was like 23 or 24. I said she's scoring at least 30 when she gets scored 30. So, I mean, when, when you are, uh, in my view, the best player in the league and you're not only voted third, but someone's got you fourth, like, that, that's actually good. Like, if you are a fan of hers or if you're a fan of the team, uh, she, she doesn't need to create a chip on her shoulder. Right. She doesn't need to create someone who is saying that she's not that good. This actually happened. This actually like exists. So I think it's a good thing. Well, and it also adds to the league, right? It adds to the yeah. rivalry. And now she's going to be even more driven next year. And maybe we'll get a little more trash talk. I don't think uh, <laughs> Stewie is going to, you know, be uh, talking trash. But I think as a group, the Aces are very supportive of each other. So this could be yeah. some real heat throughout the season next year. Yeah, and and so you know, again, we're we're um, you know one win away from seeing Las Vegas back. As Connecticut series is very interesting. I mean, obviously, if Connecticut had found the win last night, they would have been one win away. I think that series goes five. But listen, I think I think if it's Vegas and New York, you're going to get a lot of mainstream attention that you have not seen this league yet before, and it's going to be fantastic. All right, I'm going to warn everyone on the spot, right? I'm going to warn everyone as Arash is already he's coughing because he knows what's coming here. Everyone take a deep breath. Take a deep breath because uh, East Coast, West Coast rivalry is back, and it's going to be right in our face here in Vegas. Um, I went to El Paso. I got, I <laughs> got, I, I got Whataburger. We're going to have a real showdown in the next six months or a year with Whataburger on the ground here and in and out. And I'm sure you're a big in and out defender. What are you being saying? In that you thought it was good? I it's thought, not good. I thought it was tremendous. Oh, my God. I cannot believe you, Steve Cofield. I am really upset at you. I'm objective. Uh, because, I'm objective. Listen, I'm a Northeast guy. I love Vegas. You, I've been here longer uh, than I you know, I was in the Northeast. But What did you like about it? Oh, like, 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 What was so good about oh, the, it? First of all, the, the uh, I'm a value guy. The size of the burger. Mod on. It was, it was, it was gigantic. Oh. It was a nice burger. It, the vegetables were fresh. Um, I got some other <laughs> stuff that was very good. I actually got three meals worth out of it. Um, in and out's gonna. There's a challenge here, and I know you pointed out they got this beautiful new In and Out. Uh, now basically you've got In and Out's buttressing Allegiant. Um, yeah, we, we got uh, we got East Coast. Well, you know I said East Coast West Coast. That's not accurate because Butterburger's not on the East Coast. But you get my point. This, ri this yeah. rivalry is gonna hit the next level here in Vegas. Listen, I get it, and 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 I do love that 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 Vegas is really where a lot of places are planting their flag. We're yes. gonna get a Whataburger here. We're gonna get a Portillo's uh, if you're from Chicago and you like those um, hot dogs. So we're we're gonna have basically Zippies! like everything. Zippies! 
guy. Oh, that's right. Zippy's Hawaii. Um, by the way, I will be there with you, Steve. Uh, I will be at Allegiant for UNLV, okay. UNLV Hawaii, the Ninth Island showing up in Vegas. So it's going to be fantastic. I respectfully disagree, but I get it. Listen, if you like Whataburger, we're going to have here in Vegas. It'll be what, what I think that they said it's going to be a two-story Whataburger mm. that's going to um, open up on the uh, Strip. And then apparently there's 11 more coming, so they're going to they're going to surround. There you go. They'll be all over the valley. Um, I hate to tell you, but if the word I hear is the uh, the last time we broke bread, actually the last two times we broke bread. Oh, I, think, I know. I think we we don't have to mention the places, but last two times both of the places are either closing. Or moving to a different location, so maybe we yeah. don't want to show up to the uh, opening of the Waterburger. It'll go under in like three months. Listen, uh, and 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 like, <laughs> let's not put it out there because we want to be welcomed. You know, when yeah. when we show up to a restaurant, we don't want to be like the uh, jinx with the curse. But you're one hundred percent right. I saw the other location you're talking about. I was walking past it and I said, "Oh my gosh, what has happened?" So no, but it, it looks like they're going to improve on it as long as the same GM is there. And our good friend Willie Ramirez comes with us. We will be in good shape. I hope so. I hope so. Well, they treated us like kings. At uh, we were talking about Lupo. Um, Lupo. Right, let's, okay. Let's, let's close on a couple things. Uh, L.A. Angle here. We don't exactly know when Bronny is going to be healthy. Bronny James to play for USC. The clock is ticking for us because they open here in Vegas on November sixth, and then they're back again on December second. USC will take on Gonzaga here. And remember, December 1st, if USC football can make it, the Pac-12 title game is here. The last ever title game is in Vegas. So we could be getting a, a lot of USC and the star power of Bronny, God willing, get healthy. Yeah, yeah I'm really focused on that December 1st uh, Pac-12 fo- uh, football championship game and then USC Gonzaga on the second. I, It's a great point. I, I don't know when Bronny will come back. I, I, I can't imagine him coming back. Prior to December, I think he'll probably, you know, take September, October, November uh, time to regroup and heal. But from everyone uh, that's that, that that's talked about him, and that's the coaches and teammates, saying that he looks great, you know. Uh, but you 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 um, have to be cautious. They dealt with a player who um, had the same thing happen to him a year ago. He did come back and play this past season. So hopefully that's that's the same. But. What an amazing weekend that'll be. And by the way, LeBron James expected to be on the field. I got to imagine he's rooting for USC because of where his son goes. But LeBron James will be at the USC Colorado game Saturday morning. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Let's finish where we started. We started talking about the Canelo fight and your setup uh, in the media center. Um, This is a mega fight uh, for Vegas. I'm not saying the the fight itself is a mega fight. Canelo is a minus 420 favorite, but... We don't get what we used to get in terms of, you know, four or six big, big fights in Vegas. So when we get them, it's still a big deal. And the other thing we should deep dive on, and maybe this is a good story for you down the road. I don't want to suggest what you write. But if you ask around, there are certain events that don't do well for the casinos from a gambling standpoint. I believe that the boxing crowds, they still gamble. Boxing is about as favored as any sporting event by the guys who are dealing at the tables and the women. 100%. 100%. And, and, and what it is for me, it's, it's, it reminds me of why I love Vegas so much. You know, back in the day watching, you know, when this was the only show in town in terms of, you know, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, George Foreman, you fast forward to, you know, Floyd, then Oscar, and Pacquiao. I mean, this is Vegas. Big fights, two big names, champion versus champion. Uh, you know, that's what made Vegas Fight Week such a fun weekend and so um and again i think you're 100 right you know i mean the, the folks who come here they're putting they're, they're, they're putting a lot on 
you know, they're going to the sports books. They're, 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 they're placing their futures. So when they come back in town, they can collect. But, um, you know, being back at the MGM Grand Garden Arena uh, Convention Center uh, for the uh, pre-fight press conference today, they're having some other events. It, it reminded me how much I love that arena, Steve. And again, I love T-Mobile too. It's not a long walk to get there. But that MGM Grand Garden Arena where you would, you know, go up to your room, come down to the lobby, and you're right there. It was, it was just... Um, Brought back a lot of good mem- uh, of good memories for me, and again, I hope this is the start of more big fights because there was a while there, Steve, where you would have years go by before you had a big fight, and now we've been so fortunate to have two really quickly together here. I know you're the king of Vegas, but if you can carve out some time, maybe Friday morning we should break bread. Um, I'm afraid to pick a place because I don't want to have a close, but we should get some loco moco together. Uh, to Let's celebrate, to celelebrate Hawaii. And zip, wait, wait. So when does is, is that October? Yeah, October tenth. The timing, uh, yeah, just a little they, bit. They, off. So they they messed up on the timing there. I mean, it should have been this weekend, right? It should have been yeah. Friday before UNLV Hawaii. I was uh, the other day. I was hanging out at a bar right near the Zippies hiring center. I almost walked over. I was like, "Let's do it. Let's put a side oh, radio. Wow. Let's work at Zippies." <laughs> growth, indus- it's growth industry, right? I don't know how how much longer radio is. <laughs> we know Zippies is growing. All right, Arash, uh, enjoy the uh, rest of the day at the Media Center. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Barry Odom Radio Show on the way in less than 10 minutes, right up the road from uh, where we are, Flamingo and Durango. Flamingo and Durango. It's at Flamingo and 215. $2 beers during the hour, 6 to 7. Barry Odom Radio Show is on the way on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. Uh, going into the bag, I guess speaking of bags, when you wrestled, I don't know if you're retired, but Damon was pro wrestling. Someone screws up a move or gets too physical. Would you ever get so incensed that you would maybe just hardly, you know, kind of give a real hard grip to their junk as a little bit of revenge? Or is that just so over the line it's outrageous? Yeah, that's outrageous. Maybe give them a receipt like an actual punch. Okay. You know, lay something you, in. Yeah, you can actually do you can actually do that. Yeah. Um, why would Mac Jones grab someone's uh bag? I don't know why he did it. And what does it say about him? And then what does it say about Belichick that this has not been policed after now it's happened two or three times? I'm not putting this on Bill Belichick. Don't put it on him. This is all oh. on Mac Jones for being a dirty player. I but, said it. But who's the dirtiest player in the game? Woo! Ric Flair, of course. No, Bill Belichick. <laughs> Belichick does everything he can. Would If Belichick had a chance, like on a sideline scrum, to grab someone's junk to inflict some damage, I think he does it. So I think the apple doesn't fall far from the tree here. I think it's Belichick's fault, as I believe everything is in the world of football. But I'll say I'm not objective as a Jets fan. But even if we trace it back to Alabama, could we say him and Saban, Saban birds of a feather? Saban and Belichick, real tight. Real tight. Something has to be done. Someone's got to talk to him because there's a level of professionalism. You don't, you know, you you can hate and battle the guys on the other side, but you're of, uh, you know, similar warrior status. You can't be doing that stuff. It's, It's nonsense. Are you are you more upset that it happened to your guys? No, that's not really my concern. Going I mean, to one I, of your I guys' mean, boys. Sauce did express some concern about having kids, which that would be a shame. 
at first, I, I want to break this down, everybody who hasn't seen the video. I thought it was like a little love tap, you know, oh. like cup check. Oh. But no, but then you examine and he just squeezes. Yep. And that makes it worse. Of course it does. Because if it was just a little love tap, like, hey, maybe he's just joking around with sauce. Oh. Like, I gotcha. Should be wearing a cup. The squeeze is the worst. Back in the back. Stick your hand in there, dude. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> the Commodore 64 computer is down right now with the uh, sound effects. Um, you wanted to point out a little bit of baseball here that uh, who's having a monster season? Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves. The best team in the league, by the way. This is insanity. That you didn't know the Braves were the best team in the league? No. The numbers that have been put up this year, and it's the, it's those dual numbers of the stolen bases with the home runs. The pizza box that they made into the bases – it made such a difference. I had no idea this was going to happen. It does not take away from Acuna and how good he is, but right now with a half dozen games left in the season, he's got 41 dongs and how many steals? 68? 68. So he could be a four. What? 40-70. A 40-70 guy. Incredible. And you said they hey, the size of the bases, they're now pizza boxes. If it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. There are a lot of guys who are stealing incredible amount of bases. There was someone last night I was going over some fantasy, and I don't have this guy on my team, but uh, it was uh, Nick Horner has almost 50 steals. I'm like, what? Where? 50 steals? Like 50 steals? For a while, there were no stolen bases. Now they, they artificially tried to fix that and make the running game come back. I think they kind of overdid it, but hey, take advantage of the rules, the pizza boxes, and steal all the bases you want. This has been a year of incredible st- uh, st- um, statistical uh, marks in – the hitting world of baseball. Matt Olson, who was traded for basically very little. Uh, the A's moved on him when he was 28 years old. He's got 53 and 134 homers and RBI. Can I give you the other one that's nuts? And I have not seen the research on it. Kyle Schwarber, this is a compliment and a dig. Kyle Schwarber of the Phillies is having the greatest sub-200 hitting year in the history of baseball. <laughs> He's hitting, and I know he walks a lot, so OPP is like the most important thing. Uh, but, you know, hitting 240 would be nice. Um, he is... Hitting 196 with 45 homers and 100 RBI. That's incredible. Home runs and walks, baby. I mean, that's what the game has become in a lot of ways. And that's why, uh, what is his name? Luis Arias was hitting 370 for most of the season. And it was like a nice story. You don't want to hit like 350. Now, at the end of the season with all these home runs, no one really cares. Barry Odom Show is on the way. Parkway Tavern, get on out there or stay here. Listen to The Coach with Caleb Herring and myself.